Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 61st episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I'm Brent Hershey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Blessing. Uh, this week, we're glad you joined us. We've got a great show lined up. We're going to primarily uh, hear from Chris about some prospects from the low A Florida State League, uh, of which uh, there are some interesting names down there, especially for those that uh, followed the MLB draft uh, from 2022. Um, we'll get to that soon. First off, though, how are you today, Chris? I'm, I'm extremely tired. Had a, had a busy weekend, some family things going on. Um, yeah. Watched some College World Series. I got to watch the Skeens kid from LSU. Nice. Uh, that, I mean, that was fun. That was that was a good time watching that kid pitch. Uh, we're going to have some content coming up, not this week, but next week, both on our podcast and um, in article form on, on the website. Um, so the, on the College World Series and on, on the draft um, all together. So it should be exciting. Uh, uh, yeah. How are you doing, Brent? Uh, fresh off of vacation, correct? Yeah, I had uh, several days of vacation last week. Uh, got away with um, some family members, uh, kind of uh, semi-unplugged uh, for several days there, which was a, a really good thing. So um, kind of back at it here, <clears throat> got home over the weekend and um, ready to jump back in. So uh, excited, to, uh, excited to dive into this week's uh, prospects looks. Um, let's start off, Chris. What can you tell our listeners about the Florida State League? Any uh, any kind of um, characteristics or things to think about as uh, as a backdrop, sort of as we discuss some of these players? There's actually a lot of things about the Florida State League. Uh, some good, some bad. Um, I, I went and covered it a few years ago, and it rained every day in August. That's right. Uh, I remember that. Man, that was terrible. I'll never go down there uh, again. If I'm going to ever go down there, it will probably be in. Uh, uh, fall or in um, the the spring months. It doesn't seem like you get as many rainouts then. Uh, but it, yeah, it was wild um, because it's uh, most of these stadiums are also close to sea level. Uh, the ball doesn't necessarily travel there. So uh, when you got a guy, and actually the last guy we're covering this uh, covering today is uh, uh, leads the league in slugging. When you when you see a guy leading the league in slugging, he's a teenage prospect. It's somebody. They, you definitely note in this league, especially because of how the ball flies, even even if his ballpark's maybe one of the nicer places to hit because of uh, because of the stadium. So, uh, pitching league, it's also a Hawkeye league as well. Um, this is where the strike zone, um, uh, automated strike zone, has been tested um, for three years now, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's in. I, I don't know if it's in all the parks. Uh, when I went down there, it was in nine of the 10 parks. So all of the spring training 
sites. Um, then that would include nine of the 10 teams. Uh, these teams play in the spring training stadium. The only one that doesn't is uh, Daytona. Uh, Daytona plays in Jackie Robinson Field in Daytona. It's an older stadium. It's being renovated. Um, it's very exciting to hear. Uh, it's one of the oldest stadiums in the minor leagues. A lot of history there. Um, and it is. Uh, it just doesn't have the um, you know spring training in it because the Reds uh, train in Arizona. So um, all of these yeah. other teams, these other nine teams, they are uh, – Florida-based teams. Their complexes are there, and uh, obviously their uh, low-A team, their full-season league team is there. Uh, so the Hawkeye is the experiment, right, essentially. Like you know, the, the automated strike zone is the experiment that goes on in this league, and we've seen guys pop up because they have uh, really good eyes. Uh, last year it was Emmanuel Rodriguez. Uh, of the Twins, who's had some struggles this year, still hits the ball really hard and still takes his walks, but not at the same rate um, uh, than than it was in the Florida State League. So this league can be tricky, too, because it has publicly available data. Now, you can't just go and find a MILB or Baseball Savant page with this uh, sort of data all done, but there's been a lot of data stringers that have taken these game day um, um, game day data and turned it into um you know turned it into little sites uh, like little places where you can research these guys um so it, it, it's i think it's the most overly an analyzed lower division league uh by a lot because of that um the data there's data. available yeah there's data available and it's not somebody you know, some of us do have privilege and do uh, get some data from these leagues and stuff. But overall, the public sphere does not have that sort of connection. So we do have um, guys tend to either get ultra hyped out of here or because if they don't have a good season, a good, good year, you'll you'll tend to get guys also that don't. Um, uh, what would you say? Don't really pop as well out of this league. So um, I think guys who hit the ball really hard and are very patient get overranked. Um, and then, you know, hitters that are just kind of average uh, contact, you know, average exit velocities and stuff mm -hmm. um, that don't have that overwhelming uh, on-base percentage type uh, uh, profile or hasn't figured out the automated strike zone, uh, those guys tend to get slept on in this league. So it's yeah. a it's a very – um, weird league. And then the final thing is that the Florida State League only has two uh, video feeds, St. Lucie and Bradenton. And we'll cover a prospect from each of those teams. Uh, but you almost have to, you have, well, almost, you have to hope to evaluate these guys that uh, the guy that you're yeah. looking at is playing in one of those sites. In one of those um, two stadiums, yeah. And that's not always, I mean, um, you know, we're going to pitch, uh, we're going to pick up a pitcher this year. The pitching's kind of down in the in the league this year, the hitting's up. Um, but the one pitcher I was able to cover because he pitched at Bradenton, I couldn't pick one of his teammates who's a much uh, high, well-known player because he didn't pitch at Bradenton, if that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah, sure. um, so it makes kind of evaluating this league harder and you have to still rely on contacts, even though yeah. you have uh, right. a lot of good data. 
Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good uh, you know background uh, that we can uh, flush out a couple of these guys on top of. And let's start off with uh, <clears throat> with uh, as I said, there's several first round picks from last year that we'll be taking a look at. The first one is Phillies outfielder Justin Crawford. Um, he's a 19 year old. Um, was there like I said, first round pick, 17th overall of the Phillies last year. Uh, son of Carl Crawford. Um, what did uh, what did you see and uh, take in as you checked out the data and video on Justin Crawford? I want first off everybody um, getting heights and weights has been very difficult this year. It doesn't seem like MILB and Baseball Reference has updated that sort of information. Uh, if you're a subscriber to Baseball America, that is pretty much the only place I've found any differences in heights and weights. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, on those other sites, you got him at 6'1", 175. Uh, I hit the video um, last week, and I was like, oh, this guy does not seem like six foot one. It seems like a lot taller now. Um, and Baseball America had him in spring training at 6'3", 175. So he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a bit of a beanpole now, uh, very long. Uh, athletic uh, high waist um, frame at this point. Uh, there's obviously room to add muscle. You know, you grow two inches of height, but you don't grow weight. Uh, you don't add weight. So there's there's definitely uh, some more room to add uh, to this frame. Uh, so far this year, he's batting uh, 339. He has a 396 on base percentage and a 461 slugging percentage. I was very surprised actually after scouting him and then seeing his slat, uh, slash line. Uh, that he had a 461 uh, yeah. slugging percentage. Uh, he hasn't homered. He has 10 doubles and he has five uh, five triples so far. So that's where the slugging's coming from. <laughs> yeah. um, he's also uh, pretty fleet of foot as well. Um, out of the box at a 3.95 home to first uh, um, uh, time. Uh, for those at home, plus plus uh, or exceptional speed, 80 grade is three. Point nine or less out of the left-handed batter's box. So 3.95 is it's kind of firmly in that whole 70 grade. So plus plus, um, not exceptional great speed would be the thing. I mean, you're really kind of it's apples and oranges at this point. Um, uh, how how fast the guy is if they're under four seconds to first base. Um, 28 for 31 in stolen base attempts. Um, I mean. Uh, the picking his time, it's hard to scout stolen bases off of uh, off of video, but he's getting the job done um, with that 70 grade speed. You should hope that it would continue at a fairly high rate until he gets to the upper minors where catchers and pitchers are better holding guys on. So uh, Crawford's a left handed hitter. It's an open stance with a very wide base. He is somewhat upright. Um his hands are already kind of cocked back, and uh, they're kind of held high. And I wrote on here over um, the outer half of the uh, inner half of the plate, but really in actuality, he stands so far back from the plate, um, it, the hands are still over um, the batter's box and the left-hand batter's box. So it's a very direct path to the hit with his hands. Um, it's very short stride. He gets his hands to the hit position smoothly. Uh, there's some um, weight distribution issues, um, lower half specifically. He doesn't really have much time to transfer his energy and power to his back leg. And what I mean by that is most guys, when uh, a dude is starting his delivery, um, they have uh, essentially started their their timing. 
Uh, Justin Crawford does not start his timing until near where the ball when when the ball is thrown. So think of it <laughs> like um, he starts starts his operation um, when the guy's arm um, starts going up to throw the ball. So it, it's very late. I think it really kind of fits his contact over everything else sort of swing right now. Um, but still, like you, you'd like to see some power, especially from a guy with a, a tall frame like this. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me a bit of when I saw D. Gordon in Double A. Um, uh, it's sort same sort of thing where we kept on thinking that D. Gordon would, um, you know, maybe get to, yeah, I mean, not as tall of a guy, obviously, but um, get some more power. Yeah. Um, but like he was so late getting 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 into his swing that it really kind of um you know the ball kind of snuck up on him and he really you know used that ground ball approach uh, throughout his whole career so there's a very good chance that this happens here um again contact swing right now that's where the swing is there's a lots of ground balls uh mostly due to a negative launch angle um uh, overall this year from some data I saw, it looks like he has a negative uh, launch angle watching him on video. It's a very flat plane. Uh, everything off the, off the bat that is in the air um, is, is usually a, a low soft liner or hard, you know, when it's a harder liner too, it's, there's very heavy top spin. So he's not getting much loft. Um, his spray chart is basically of a slasher. It's a slasher approach, which fits the burner profile of yesteryear uh like d gordon and uh and like carl crawford too um his 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 dad um quick swing but there is some length to it um and that was something that was a little concerning during his draft year we thought that maybe his uh you're really dreaming on this body you're dreaming on this profile and um seeing length at this time especially now you have longer levers because you've gone you've gotten higher you've gotten taller higher you've gotten higher that's great <laughs> yeah. you've gotten taller um and so like now the swing it, the, the hit tool being plus in the past uh you know with the projection might now have you know stepped down to a 55 or maybe a 50 grade the bat to ball is not as good as it was before mainly because he has more room to cover in his strike zone. Um, my my biggest concern here is not necessarily the fact that he has a negative uh, launch angle. Uh, not I, I, He makes plenty of contact. He does have a little more swing and miss than we thought, but um, who doesn't these days, really? Uh, so not really – and it's not an exorbitant amount. Um, I would say it's about average for a prospect of his tier at this level. Um mm-hmm. My problem is his patience. Um, watching him during this look, uh, he was swinging at everything, and um, that's that's a little concerning. Uh, bat the ball guys have that problem a lot of times. Um, I, I was, I'm extremely concerned at the, um, like there doesn't seem to be a game plan um, at the plate on looking for a pitch or whatever. It's mostly trying to make contact with the ball. Um, not super red flag at 19 in low A, but if it's something that does deserve to be looked at moving forward. Um, so overall, um, you're looking at a guy that's maybe a five hit, 50 hit, maybe 55 hit, um, power. There's power there to at least get up to probably below average power with the swing, how it's designed right now. 
Uh, but like I've seen this swing with other guys, Taylor Trammell had kind of had a similar swing as well mm -hmm. uh, at a point where um, then all of a sudden they turn into power prospects who can't hit. Um, so like there, there's that little ratio there. There, of course, Tyler Trammell was super, super patient. And this is the other way around. Um, but yeah. I'm, safely, you know, normally this is a 40 power profile. Um, so below average power. Plus, plus run. Um, he's going to stick in center field. He covers great ground. You can even see it off video. Uh, his his uh, his routes are pretty crisp. Um, doesn't seem to get too full. So, this this kid's the probably the future center fielder for the Phillies um, and future table setter as well if he can get some patience um, built into the profile. Yeah. I have him as an eight D pr prospect right now. Um, wanted to. Uh, you know, I think we might have had him during the offseason at a nine. Did you rate him a nine? Uh, probably did. But, um, you know, again, it was it was more of a uh, thinking about it in a terms of a leadoff hitter impact guy with the yeah. the speed and stuff and not, not having, um, you know, not having a lot of data or information yet on uh, hitting pro pitching. So yeah. um, certainly I, yeah, I had it, him as a nine E. Um, so that that's where I had him at. I, I mm -hmm. went down to eight D, and I've I've actually thought it might be a little hard on him. Uh, so this is a guy like right now he might be at eight D, and maybe in the off season he's still a nine E. Um, it really depends where the hit goes from here. Um, I'm more I'm more concerned about the patience than the power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this profile needs to get on base, and if it can't get on base, um, then then it you know makes it ineffective. Uh, makes yep. that speed element ineffective. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. not totally trash the Philly here, Brent. I'm just saying yeah. that he has no, things to work on. Yeah, no, I think it's it's totally it's totally valid. Looking at his line, I think you're right that um, that the slugging for the 461 slug is kind of you know seems out of character. Um, but yeah, a lot of that's coming from the ten doubles and five triples. There's no you know it doesn't look like there's much home run power there currently in his frame and to be a really important fantasy asset. Um, yeah, he needs to get on base and use his legs and uh, just 14 walks so far in 42 games. Uh, you hope that somewhere along the line, he becomes a little more uh, selective up there. Yeah. Um, so that's so Justin Crawford. Uh, good report on him. Next guy uh, is with the Mets again, kind of working our way up the round. Uh, he was the 14th overall pick, and that is Jet Williams, a uh, listed as a shortstop, um, and again, a 19-year-old from uh, high school in Texas. What uh, what did you find out and and see with uh, Jet Williams when you looked uh, further under the hood under the hood with him? He's generally uh, um, generously listed five eight. He might be five six, uh, shorter stature mm -hmm. kid. Um, has struggled this year. And I think that was very surprising uh, for a lot of evaluators. Uh, this guy was considered of the high school bats uh, outside of one of the next guys we're talking about, uh, Tamar Johnson, and of course, Jackson Holiday. This guy was kind of like the third, okay, this dude here is probably going to hit right away. He probably had the most ready, third, third most ready hit tool entering. Yeah. Uh, pro ball out of the prep ranks and out of a solid um, draft class, not as 
not as uh, extensive as this uh, current draft count class that goes pretty deep with uh, players. But this specific draft, 2022, had a lot of good prep hitters, um, more yeah. so than this year. So, like, um, you know, seeing him struggle a bit, he's only hitting 222. It does have a 416 on base percentage. Obviously, we don't know how much the automated strike zones helping with that. Um, and he has 346 uh, slugging. Um, only three home runs. Uh, Five doubles, three triples. I'll be honest, I, I um, haven't really kept much uh, um, tabs on Jet, um, not necessarily profile. I was personally um, targeting in my fantasy leagues. So um, usually you tend to look at the profiles that you like. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I really, shorter stature guy, athletic frame. Uh, shorter levels, the uh, levers. Um, he's a plus runner now, but it's almost like uh, you, you can kind of see it maybe backing up to more like an above average run tool um, mm -hmm. with really quickness. Uh, the one thing I had a really good video angle of him cutting the bases. So I wrote that in uh, uh, cuts bases so very well. Um, uh -huh. He's um, very um, you know, active player if that makes sense um uh, seems to really love the game um I, I don't know what you would say with that beyond that um uh swing right-handed hitter upright uh slight closed stance um the feet are close together um the hands are at a lever at, at the letters um it's it's kind of a shorter stride um and and he, or shorter stride it's yeah sorry i jumped ahead Let's do that one again. Upright, slight, close stance, uh, feet close together, hands at letters, they're cocked slightly. It, he's very quick to the hit position with his hands. It's very direct. Um, so there's like two different um, swings, essentially, or, or setups to the swings, getting to the hit position. And one of them's really um, is what I saw last year watching video of the prep, uh, prep version of Williams. It's uh, – the lower half coils, there's a short leg lift. Um, it, it's very much, um, you know, directed towards uh, generating a lot of power on the lower half. Um, but what you see often in a lot of the videos this year is a guy that seems to have his operation off. There's uh, the pre-swing operation, at least, uh, mm -hmm. which is likely contributing to the struggle so far. It's almost like he's caught surprised when pitchers start their deliveries. Um, so <laughs> as I explained, he was really kind of coiling, um, coiling, coiling all of his energy onto the back leg last year in some, in some of the video looks that I had. Uh, but in most of the video looks, the same electricity wasn't there. Um, as we spoke about last week uh, when we had Jared on here, you could do like 90% of our job on video. Um, there's that 10% that you kind of need help with. Uh, defense, and, you know, getting good, you know, the home to first speeds. Um, like I'll only mention it if I truly have a good home to first uh, speed off the video feed. Um, but one of the things is I would really like to see what Jet Williams is doing during batting practice because I'm sure that he is doing what he's always done and he's just having a moment of struggle 19 yeah. years old in full season league it happens mm -hmm. not totally going to down this guy for that um anyway very short compact swing producing solid angles to the pull side right center field gaps 
a ball just absolutely flies off of his bat to right center field. Um, hmm. Not as much contact as we've seen uh, in prep um, to that uh, to that um, play to that area of the field, and I think a lot of that's with the with the amount of energy that he is generating. I almost wonder if he's going through like maybe he has a lower extremity injury that he's uh, trying hmm. to work his way through. So. Yeah. Uh, very balanced approach. He's going to hit to all fields, uh, power um, directly down the line, the left, and of course that right center field. So yeah. uh, overall, I think it's still a plus hit tool, even even with the struggle. The um, yeah. the power, I thought the power would be better. Um, I, I think I have him at below average power now, which might be a downgrade from the off season. I forget exactly where I went with that, um, uh, just because I think that. Um, there's just some concern there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not completely married to that. And since I do have the Mets organization for our book and for our off-season coverage, it might change uh, between now and then. Um, he's kind of maxed at shortstop. I think he, he he's very heady and he uh, reacts really well. Kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know on the same level of Dansby Swanson, but Dansby Swanson uh, doesn't have the greatest range, doesn't have the greatest arm, but uh, you know, won a Gold Glove last year and is. The right. solid defender, at least a, maybe a plus defender, um, really. I don't know if he deserved the um, gold glove. I guess I'm a Dansby hater. Um, but th- this guy could very easily move to second base, and especially with the Mets having um, having uh, Lindor sign long-term, and if this guy does get up uh, fairly quickly, obviously this is a guy that could move to to second base with ease. So yeah, uh, yeah. I have his prospect at 8D, which is a little bit lower than what I had during the offseason. I had him at an 8C, um, but not really a big uh, drop-off. Yeah. No, I think that's fair with, uh, uh, with uh, you know, like you said, the struggles initially here. Uh, lots of things could be going on that way. Uh, it is surprising, um, just to me, again, kind of the shorter-framed guy, um you know, that was, that was, that was such a high pick tells me that, uh, you know, some amateur scouts really believed in what they uh, saw out of a package like that. Um, so I'm sure in that light too, he'll get yeah. plenty of time to, to, to get, uh, adjusted and, he, um, given instruction and all that kind of thing. Uh, he had way. great, he had great, um, um, showcase events against mm, premium mm-hmm. pitchers and that, and that really sure. helped his value tremendously. That, that makes that makes that makes total sense. Well, good. That's Jet Williams, uh, shortstop for the Mets. Um, we'll move on to um, the uh, number four overall pick to the Pirates. You mentioned briefly uh, earlier, and that's Tamar Johnson, second baseman uh, for Bradenton. Um, also, uh, you know, kind of a smaller frame guy, uh, another 19-year-old out of uh, high school. Um, in the Atlanta area there uh, in Georgia. Um, when you took a look at uh, Johnson, who I know you're familiar with um, here with his time in Bradenton, uh, what did you see? Um, shorter stature guy once again, um, but it's a different body type than, than Williams where Williams has a little more athleticism. Um, Tamar Johnson's uh, more, it's built more stoutly. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that he's a big guy, um, but he's obviously um, his motives at the plate um, is is to generate power. He's a very strong lower half, uh, specifically. Um, 
but yeah, not not necessarily a um, uh, a speed burner um, like most of the middle infielders that have been drafted recently. He's had some struggle this year, and we're going to kind of cover that. We've got a lot of good video on him from um, several series uh, to look back at, so it, it was very good. By the way, for those uh, at home or in their car or at work, um, Bradenton has one of the best feeds in baseball, so that's uh, always a premium, always a star when you – um, get to watch that video. And it also kind of sometimes makes Pirates prospects overrated um, hmm. because you've got such good video coming out of that league. Uh, 248 batting average. Um, it, it, it He has uh, warmed up recently, and we'll kind of go over that um, for the last series. Uh, 418 on base percentage. Again, this is the league that has automated strike zones. He's a headier hitter, just like uh, – um, Jet Williams is, so I'm assuming that he's figured that out. Um, 411 slugging, um, a little low on the slug uh, right now compared to the profile. He's five home runs, two, uh, eight doubles, and three for four stolen bases. Um, it's really probably 40 speed. I've heard people say average speed, talking to scouts uh, around, uh, around my neck of the woods who saw him in high school. Uh, they had 40s on that speed, foot speed future. So we'll put a four on that and, and hopefully they're right. Um, so I don't like being wrong. Um, again, like I said, a very short stature guy. Um, so that means shorter limbs, just like Jet Williams. Um, he has a sl- slight upright open stance. Feet are very close. Uh, hands are back at the flat with his bat um, bobbing a bit um, um, just over his shoulder uh, before the pitch is uh, uh, delivered the hands coil with a slight uh, bat wrap. Uh, the bat wrap doesn't really hurt the bat speed. It's uh, um, plus bat speed with shorter limbs, so it looks like plus plus bat speed. Uh, so like he, he whips it through that zone very quickly. Um, also during uh, um, as the ball's delivered, it's a moderate leg kick and uh, our leg lift uh, with a very slight stride, but the slides closing up the stance. So as as I said, he. Had a slight open, he had an open, slight open upright stance. He closed it slightly. Um, so not really big, uh, big thing. Uh, and there's very good, he uses his lower half so well pre-pitch. Um, hmm. Getting all of that energy onto that back uh, back hip uh, to really come through. It's a, it, it is a short compact swing, obviously. Uh, uppercut trajectory. Um, there's uh, the, he controls his bat really well through the zone normally. And that's what he did in high school this year. Not so much, but the last couple of weeks, the last two homestands, it's all come back. Um, what we've seen, this is, and even in, um, in high school last year, this is mostly a pull dominant approach. Um, this guy's going to pull the ball and pull the ball and pull the ball, kind of like most modern hitters. Um, with a good amount of loft, so there's a good amount of power here and all that good stuff, and he uh, hits the ball hard a lot. And um, he does have, like I said, he has the barrel control to hit them where they're ain't even, even, um, even with um, these pull tendencies. Um, mm-hmm. The increased swing and miss this year, and and the inability to um, to really hit the lights out of the ball in this league is really due to him at some point from. Uh, the beginning of the season to the last few weeks, he's been uh, he was cutting off the outer half, so he wasn't able to get to the outer half like like he showed in high school, like he showed even last year in complex uh, and in extended. 
and then even um, what he's shown the last two weeks. Um, so when you cut off the side of the plate, you become absolutely vulnerable to pitches on the outer half. Um, that's essentially what what's happened and why his struggles uh, were so mighty. Uh, the other thing that's really contributed to his struggles is um, he's not really keeping his energy back on off-speed pitches. So um, when he gets to, you know, when he gets out in front, he's not able to recover. And so we're seeing a lot of that, especially off change-ups and uh, even curveballs. Um, it's a very patient approach. Uh, swing rate is less than 40%. Um, he worse counts. He has average chase uh, tendencies. Um, as I said, the power plays. It should be plus. It's going to be mostly pull-dominant pl- uh, power. Uh, but we're talking about power in 25, 30, 35 range. Like this guy's going to hit. Well, hit some power, powerful things. So there's a high average potential. We're talking, um, as an amateur, we kind of said he was a plus-plus hitter. I'm going to kind of back that down to maybe just a plus hitter. Um, So we're looking at a guy that's uh, 280 to 300 type hitter, um, which I guess is plus-plus in today's game. So um, Mm -hmm. maybe I need to redo my um, hitting uh, tool. Scale. uh, Yeah. Scale. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, now converted mostly to second base. He's only played a handful of games at shortstop. Uh, his features is a bat first, second baseman. That's really kind of where he fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put his rating at 9D for right now um, with a chance to get a little higher, um, 9C by the end of the year if these gains continue at the rate that they are at right now. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good uh... – <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so certainly an interesting uh, rating. I noticed in the book we had him as an 8B um, coming off there. I think there was mm-hmm. some, a little bit of question about how much pop he'd get to and stuff. But uh, as he's shown, um, you know, a little bit of that here uh, this way and adjusting well, um, I think certainly uh, you made a case for, for uh, yeah, for upping his, his grade. But that's um, – yeah. Again, we're we're again. still Brent. We're still having some issues with rating guys' power potential based on their short stature. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's 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 something that is affected throughout media, and it's also affected through um, through org ball as well. Um, uh-huh. You know, old habits die hard. Guys weren't supposed to short. Guys weren't supposed to hit balls like this. Yeah. Right. Right. No. That's that's a that's a fair fair point for sure. Um, to um, yeah, to, to point out about about Johnson. Sounds good. Uh, fourth guy uh, is the uh, Dunedin Blue Jay uh, Kendry Rojas, which, who is a left-handed pitcher, twenty uh, year old out of Cuba. Um, interested, uh, not familiar myself with Rojas. What uh, what can you tell us uh, when you checked out Kendry? This is a guy that um, his. Um, this is one of those guys that the uh, Statcast stuff um, on Baseball Servant is just lit up on him. So hmm. uh, go look up some of his starts. Uh, um, there's plenty of ways to figure out how to get that data out there. It's not easily attainable, but if you have a game ID, you can pretty much find it fairly quickly. So, um, a Cuban signee. He's 20 years old. He's six foot two, 190. Uh, he has a 2.84 ERA this year, 1.13 whip, 44 innings, 47 strikeouts, uh, 14 walks, a 218 opponent batting average. So 
<laughs> not walking yeah. a lot of guys and can't make a lot of contact off of him. So, or a lot of, uh, uh, um, good contact off of him. It's a leaner upper body with room to grow, but the, the, the base that there's, uh, this base is really strong. There's uh the, he has tree trunk hips, um, skinnier, hmm. skinnier, lower, uh, like calves and stuff. So, um, but they're defined, uh, just kind of a stronger guy um, on the lower half compared to the upper half. Um, he's seen an uptake in velocity this year. He's up about three miles per hour on all of his pitches. Uh, so something, something, you know, this guy's getting stronger. Probably yeah. there's some more velocity in here as well. Um, pitches out of a semi uh, wind up um, high, high leg kick um, crossfire delivery, three quarter slot delivery uh, with solid extension. Uh, the him landing the, the his foot's kind of weird. Um, it, it it points towards the plate, but almost slightly directed towards the right-handed box. So as a left-handed guy, if you're direct to the plate, you might be slightly to the left-hand uh, hitter's box. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy's like I don't know how his ankle makes that um, mm-hmm. does that. Um, it it does give me some worry about his overall, like whether he can maintain this delivery and whether it will um, start wreaking havoc on his knee tendons um, the way that he does that. But who knows? He could be uh, double jointed. Uh, you just never know with guys. Um, I don't get too far into the weeds with that sort of thing, but there is a little concern. I think it's very smooth arm action. You know, I, I, I'm almost more worried, kind of like Spencer Strider, and a little more worried about uh, what his lower half does than what mm-hmm. his upper half does, because there's there's some some similar um, red flags on his uh, his uh, land foot, um, his his uh, when he lands. Um, for uh, Rojas, it's a four pitch mix. It's two types of fastball. He throws a four seamer and a two seamer. Last year, he averaged 89 miles per hour in both of them. He's up to 92 and a half um, on both of them on average, at least in the start that I watched. Um, yeah. uh, I had him in a range of 90 to 94 each pitch. Uh, the four seamer in my start, he had no command of, which is um, opposite of what um, we've seen all year um, in his. Uh, um, baseball servant stat um, mm-hmm. um, breakdowns. Uh, it has solid to above average, maybe even, you know, it sometimes flashes plus ride, especially out of this uh, three-quarter slot with the crossfire delivery. Um, he's struggled with feel in this space, in, in this start, of course. So, like, I don't know if I had the best read on his four-seam fastball. There was some uh, onside run with it. Uh, this was one start that he really against Bradenton. He really constantly, he really had to throw his two seamer a lot. Um, doesn't throw it this often. Threw it a lot during this start. Um, uh, and it has distinctive difference between uh, uh, four seamer and two seamer. It's more of a two seam profile. It's not the greatest uh, two seamer, but it's at least an average pitch with solid arm side run um, for two seam fastball. Um, so, like the four seamer is is with a little more velocity is probably a plus pitch, while this one's probably an average pitch. Um, best pitch of the of the groupings a slider, which he threw early, threw often, threw a lot of them. Um, uh, the difference between him last year, looking at the data and looking at the data this year, um, is his ability, and also watching the videos, his ability to also sweep this pitch. It's a very tight spun two plane uh, breaker last year. Uh, now he's able to continue that and then alternate some of maybe the um, pressure on the ball 
to get a more sweepier slider. Um, so it, it's added another dimension to this guy's uh, this guy's work. Um, his changeup is 84 to 87 miles per hour. And I, I guess I missed the velocity on the slider. That's 81 to 84. Um, but on the changeup, it's 84 to 87. It's an arm side fader, um, best with drop. It doesn't really have consistency, but does sell the pitch really well. Uh, for me, it's a five pitch. So four seamer, a six pitch, uh, three, se- uh, three seamer, <laughs> two seamer, um, a, um, a five pitch a slider being a six pitch. That's plus, by the way, six or 60. And then change up uh, at a five. Uh, if I if I hedged a bit, maybe a four or five. So this looks like a starter profile. I have an eight D rating after watching him. SP three, SP four, most likely going to be more of a solid guy if he doesn't add velocity. Um, yeah. Added velocity is going to do a lot for this guy. Um, I, I again, or the the Blue Jays keep on popping up guys in the complex league. Last year it was Teeterman and several other dudes uh, mm-hmm. that popped up. Uh, and this year it's, it's Kendry Rojas. Yeah. 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 I mean, looking at the, uh, certainly his, uh, um, you know, his height and weight looks like a projectable guy at 20 years old. Um, the idea that he, uh, came and added some velocity already, um, is, is good to hear. And it sounds like he's built for possibly even a little bit more, which can, um, I think, given given what you say about all his arsenal and stuff, a little more velo can only uh, help him. So that's uh, Kendry Rojas, a uh, 20-year-old lefty um, in the Blue Jays organization. Let's take a moment to uh, hear what PD has cooking on Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, Eyes Have It listeners, PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Rob DiPietro from the Dead Pull Hitter Patreon and podcast and the Launch Angle podcast discussing Ellie Palooza weekend, rating new young pitchers, players going on heaters over the last 14 days, plus all the usual great stuff, news analysis with Ray Murphy from BaseballHQ.com and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Rob DiPietro, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I sure hope you'll join us. Thank you, Patrick. New episodes drop every Friday, and you can find Baseball HQ Radio on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Chris, let's continue uh, with a look at the Florida State League, and uh, this time we're just going to uh, kind of do a uh, wraparound for with one of the teams, um, and that's a squad with the most potential talent, really, in the league, um, and that's the Daytona Tortugas, uh, the Reds affiliate. That's right. We said the Reds affiliate. Um, not only, I guess, are they, are they bringing up, uh, you know, major league ready guys, uh, this season, uh, they've also got a, uh, crop of youngsters here in the low A, um, in their low A system or affiliate, at least, um, to follow up in several years. Um, so we'll start off with, uh, their first round pick from last year. That's Cam Collier, um, uh, in some ways, like Tamar Johnson, someone that you uh, had some uh, amateur scouting background, uh, in-person scouting background with. Um, he was first overall, kind of pick 18 from 
Junior College in Florida. Um, when you look at, uh, what do you see when you look at Collier here in his first um, foray into uh, full season ball? So he went the Bryce Harper route, um, ended up uh, graduating early um, from uh, high school, uh, two years early. So uh, his last high school season was his sophomore year, got his GED, went to junior college like Bryce Harper did and entered the draft a year early. Um, so like, I really thought I was going to get a lot of looks at this guy, uh, for the years to come. And obviously that didn't sort of happen because he then went to junior college. Um, uh, he is the son of, uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Great. Uh, Lou Collier, um, for those, uh, for that moment that Lou Collier was on the Phillies, um, mm -hmm. a former Expos player as well. Um, always cool to drop an Expo reference. Um, I, I saw Collier against very, uh, Poor competition um, and didn't really rise to the top when I saw him. Uh, but he was a kid that uh, the summer prior, the summer after, um, also uh, in Cape Cod League um, in his draft year, was a kid that took challenges. Um, so, you know, I'm, I had a kind of a bad look at him um, when I did see him. Um, this year has been um, fairly in a, fairly not what people were expecting. 18-year-old. Uh, still in a league with 19, 20, 21 year olds, uh, batting 198, the 299 on base percentage, 320 slug, uh, four home runs, nine doubles, uh, 45 strikeouts, and a you know high strikeout guy right now, three for three in stolen bases. Um, no, the foot speed has backed up a little already. Just uh, I did have one good home the first time, and it was a, a below average uh, time, so. Um, you know, this guy's pretty much a corner infielder only type profile. Um, mm -hmm. So at the plate, uh, well, it's first off body he has a very uh, strange body. Uh, I forget what he's listed at, um, but like it's, it's, there were two trains of thoughts uh, with him in high school um, is that he would get very beefy with, um, you know, good weight distribution and then there was the other um, group of scouts that kind of was like eh, i don't know um it's bad body i was actually in the first part i thought that the body was going to actually uh, be very muscular um and kind of fit the profile um unfortunately it looks different uh right now it, it's very um he, he just looks big uh, at this point uh, in his career at his age. So there is some concern there that um, he's going to have to lean up. Um, like I'm not telling, telling you he's a fat guy. I'm not telling you any of that. It's just that his, his proportions are a little, little different. Uh, um, and, and that that's really kind of it at this point. Um, right now he's more of a huge, BA guy, and, and that's bad when you're batting 198, then a power guy, but he's a guy that looks to project for a lot of power. Um, it's a close to upright stance. Um, the problem here is it, it he's not necessarily generating a lot of uh, energy in that swing. Most of the um, most of his contact has been on the ground. When he does get into a ball, um, his body, I mean, he's a strong kid. And can really put uh, put a swing on it, but there's a high ground ball tendency at this point. A lot of top heavy uh, um, line drives, uh, fly balls. Uh, so he's not getting the sort of um, sort of loft that you would expect. Uh, all fields hitter, 
probably um, it's almost detrimental that he's hitting it so much to the opposite field. Um, I don't think he's getting good contact on those uh, on on that on those balls. Uh, so his contact uh, exit velocities are kind of down, um, mostly based on that. Um, so, like it's 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 a lot. There's more question marks now than actual um, you know certainties here. Um, yeah. I believe the hit tool is still there, even if it's not showing up. I'm just, I just I just want to see more lift in this swing. I want to see him be able to really flourish with this power. Um, I'm keeping his rating at a nine E. Uh, that's what I had him during the off season because it's obvious. Again, he's the young guy in this league. Yeah. Um, so like he, you know, it, it's going to take a minute here. Um, mm-hmm. It's an aggressive assignment. Um, and he's battling like again, like the, I'm just watching a sling of videos and a double that he hit against Bradenton. He just let the ball travel and just like shot it the other way um, over the third base line um, with ease. Like there's just this, uh, this, his ability to make contact um, and place balls really does not correspond with the 198 batting average yeah. at this point. So yeah. 90 rating on Cal Collier. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh, let's go uh, around the diamond a little bit to uh, second baseman on that squad. Uh, a a um, 19-year-old from the Dominican Republic, Carlos Jorge, uh, left-handed hitter. Um, what did you see with Jorge? Another shorter stature guy. That's 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 been a theme today. Short stature yeah. guys. Um, uh, 19-year-old, as you said, he's a second base only prospect. Doesn't fit really anywhere else. Um, mm. uh, 287 average, 387 on base, 456 slugging. He has four home runs, nine doubles, six triples. Um, not many strikeouts. 40, 47. I mean, it's a solid and solid number through 50 something games. Um, he's also 22 for 26 in stolen base attempts. Um, just a little caveat there, not necessarily known for his foot speed. I would expect that to to drop, but probably be a double-digit runner when he gets to the pros, when he gets to the pros. He's in the pros when he gets to the major leagues. Um, it's hit tool all day long. That's what's carrying the profile. Um, makes a lot of hard contact on the line. Has very good plate coverage. Uh, just watching this video real quickly against uh, one of the Bradenton pitchers. Uh, pulled the pitch on the outer half of uh, change up or fastball um, and, you know, did damage. Uh, has very good bat control. Uh, uses the field extremely well. Uh, you know, what, what you expect out of, a, out of a heavy hit tool type guy. Um, works the gaps very well. That's why he has six triples already this year. Um, I mean, he, he's probably above average runner right now, but probably ends up average uh, at the at the end of the day. Um, just kind of quick on this, it's it's really just a average field. Um, the arm is what limits it to second base. It's uh, from my reports, I've heard a thirty arm and a forty arm. Um, so like, it, yeah, it's pretty much a second base only profile. This is a guy yeah. that could be a. Um, at the top of the order because of his hit tool ability, his ability to work counts. Um, he's actually a really good bunter too. Even, even with the speed, he, he places bunts really well. Um, j- just a hard out. This guy is a hard out. So I have his rating at eight D. Um, this is a guy that maybe at the um, end of the season, I have a seven 
be on um, if he's gone to high A and has contributed. It could even be higher than that. Like this is literally a kid that um, that oozes floor, yeah. and we don't have many guys that just ooze floor. But this guy has a very <laughs> high floor of a of a solid major leaguer. Right, but it's an oozy floor. It's an oozy floor. Exactly. Uh, let's finish up this uh, trio with. Um... An interesting sort of pop-up guy, uh, Hector Rodriguez, another 19-year-old uh, from the DR, um, outfielder, uh, left-handed hitter. Um, again, a guy that's under six foot, listed under six foot anyway. Um, so maybe this is our short stature issue uh, or uh, podcast episode. I mean, <laughs> short stature episode. Uh, especially maybe we take away Justin Crawford, uh, but other than that, yeah, and uh, Cam and, Collier, Cam Collier Cam has Cal- some size. That's true. Um, anyway, this uh, player's name is Hector Rodriguez. What can you tell us about uh, Rodriguez? So uh, Rodriguez was acquired um, from the New York Mets uh, in a trade deadline deal for Tyler Naquin last year. Uh, a pitcher also went over there uh, to the Reds as well. Um, <laughs> That trade deadline for the Mets is going to go down as one of the worst trade deadlines for any team. Uh, <laughs> the trade to the Giants uh, ended up uh, not being as good. Um, the um, they got the, the God the the DH guy that they released and it's back on the Giants. I or or somewhere maybe on the Brewers. He's on the Brewers. I forget who it is, but um, Darren uh, Ruff. Yeah, there you go, Darren Ruff trade. Um, they apparently didn't look at. Um, at the analytics for one of the pitchers that they uh, traded, and um, he's been excelling with the Giants. Um, uh, and then you have the trade um, for Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, as you know, the Mets have had trouble this year with their pen um, um, beyond, uh, you know, with Edwin Diaz hurt. Uh, Colin Holderman would have been a lot better of a of mm-hmm. an arm to have than the bat of Daniel Vogelbach. Um, yeah. And then this trade might be the worst trade of the group, um, especially seeing how Hector Rodriguez has kind of changed the way he, uh, way he is. Um, so this is a kid coming out last year, complete or complete complex league um, with a very high hit tool. Um, not a lot of power projection. Um, and a lot, a lot of speed. Uh, Plus plus speed, seventy grade speed. Um, this year he's batting three oh five, uh, on base percentage three fifty seven, and here leading the league in slugging. A guy that didn't have much power last year, five sixty three mm. slugging. Yeah, um, that's partially uh, um, part of it is his uh, stadium. Um, he he's a left handed hitter with uh, pull tendencies. And if you're a left-handed hitter in Daytona, it's a very favorable environment to hit the ball over the fence. Um, we've seen a lot of guys in the Reds organization take advantage of that, including Austin Hedrick. Um, but this guy's doing, you know, as, as I've read on Baseball America, as as I was like getting heights and weights today, um, his road numbers are really good as well. So like, uh, it's not all just the ballpark, this slugging, even though most of it is the ballpark. Um, so uh, there's a lot to like here. It, it, he's, uh, um, again, a speedster, uh, lots of speed. Uh, now he's showing off that he can also hit for some power, too. It's really, really helped this profile. Um, athletic frame, um, lean muscle, um, kind of uh, um, upright swing. Um, 
slight open. What he does well is he does use the leverage of his lower half. Um, uh, well, it stays fairly balanced. Uh, uh, he just uh, looking at this uh, video, he hit a single that should have been an out um, here. Um, that was almost a home run. Like, I think that he really thought it was an out. Um, but I'm just stringing some video together, watching him while I talk about him. Um, very good back control. Um, it was a plus hit tool. It still is a plus hit tool. Uh, there, like I said, there's pull tendencies here as well. Um, maybe more so than what we thought, um, last year. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's some of that as well. Um, again, the power's playing in, in his video looks, uh, he hit three home runs during those video looks, um, uh, between St. Lucie and Bradenton. So he's also getting, getting, you know, 11 of his, uh, um, three of his 11 home runs were off video. Uh, he took one out in um, Bradenton to straightaway center field, uh, just barely over the fence, but it was still about 400, 405. Um, again, I don't know how the, what the Mets missed on their own player evaluation. This, mm -hmm. this kid, this kid looks like a dude. Um, now I don't know if he's a nine rating player, um, but like, I put him at a nine E to kind of really see where this uh, power is going. Cause it's such a new thing. I'd like, yeah. to, I, I think that he needs to be moved up in the league. I think he needs to go to high a and to really give him a test to see if that power remains. Um, I've also noticed on a lot of these videos that they all had the same scouting report early in the year. And so some of these balls that he's hit for doubles and triples uh, might've been a result of poor, um, you know, basically being shallow on everything but you know the later videos he they're all playing him pretty much straight away in the outfield so um like again uh, Mets might have messed up here but if, if this power is for real and what i'm seeing here is at least average to above average power um mm -hmm. with the seven hit seven run tool and a six hit tool yeah um that's that's probably an all-star contributor in fantasy so yeah um, there's yeah i was gonna say yeah there's some definitely some fantasy appeal here uh with the with the tool set that you're describing it will be interesting to see if he continues to uh, hit here for the next couple of weeks what if you know if, if maybe mid-season or so they move him up to um uh to brooklyn high brooklyn this just you mean a, daytona or Dayton, Dayton. Oh, he's not in the Dayton. Mets organization anymore. Oh, not in Mets anymore, right? He's no, but I, I'm watching video from St. Lucie and ah, also Bradenton, so that's how it got <laughs> got you confused there. Um, but yeah, and there's nobody in Dayton, but the the hit hit the hitting in Dayton's not great. So like none of these guys, Jorge or uh, Rodriguez, yeah. have really anything in front of them. Uh, uh, at their given positions, Rodriguez yeah. is a, a third is a left fielder at this point. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know. I'll keep try to keep my organization straight uh, from here on out. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, thanks for the uh, quick wraparound on the Daytona, the Daytona trio of Cam Collier, Carlos Jorge, and Hector Rodriguez. Um, a great, uh, great, great episode. Uh, going around the Florida State League. Um, Chris, you have some, uh, no live games, you say, this week, but some yeah. amateur stuff as you're getting ready for the draft in a couple of weeks, as well as College World Series action, it says, 
Mm-hmm. Um, what can you, what are you looking forward to, uh, with that specifically? Well, we're going to, we're going to have an article next Thursday. It's not going to be me. It's going to be Rob Gordon. Uh, he's at the college world series. One of our writers, uh, he's yeah. been a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on that Saturday, I'm going to, going to cover some guys that he didn't cover, um, whether it was college world series or whether it was guys that didn't make it there. Uh, prep hitters, uh, obviously didn't make it there cause they're in high school. Um, yeah. but, but we're going to mostly look at some college guys and we might have a wrap around the next week with some more uh, looks at some amateur prospects too. Um, but right now that's what it is. Like I told people in almost every episode, this is heavy video month for Chris. It's the month of June, especially yeah. this week with no teams nearby. Um, so yeah. um, we'll have a lot of good content and we'll kind of go with next week's uh, uh podcast uh guest um brent do you have yep. anything on tap other than uh than hustling around the site as the um <laughs> editor uh mainly hustling uh i believe at this point still um uh, taking in as much as as we can and uh looking forward to helping to coordinate all the all the good stuff that we have coming for our subscribers which of of which this uh minor league draft coverage of the prospects, the uh, prep and college uh, preparing uh, for the draft is a big part of it. So we're looking forward to that. Well, thank you guys all for joining us this week on the Eyes Have a Podcast. I will be hosting alone next week with a guest. Uh, I mentioned before episode 60 with uh, Jared Sedler that we had uh, some big plans plans big things planned actually uh for the podcast and it started with jared um and i have it all planned out and hopefully it works through the mlb trade deadline and then i'm gonna have to come up with plans after that but our next guest will be one of the biggest names in mlb amateur draft prospect coverage i will be welcoming baseball america's carlos Calazo to the show uh carlos is hard to get um at this time of year because he's really really busy uh so i reached out to him about a month ago uh, to make sure that uh, he he put something on the schedule and uh, it was good. I got to um, got to chat with Carlos uh, during a podcast uh, appearance uh, on on for Baseball America during the off season. So I'm really excited to have him on. Um, it should be a great show. Um, Carlos is one of the one of the biggest experts. Uh, talks has a lot of contacts, uh, and as you know, um, that's their game. Uh, Baseball America is owning the draft. So um, it will be interesting having him on and talking about a lot of guys. Um, Brent uh, and I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you have any questions uh, to us, uh, you can ask them at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com. I think we've only had one question in three years. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that picks up. I'd like to have more questions. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at C underscore blessing. Brent's at Brent. HQ. Uh, first time listening to Eyes Have a Podcast, click subscribe to get our future episodes. Also, rank us too. And um, if you could spread the word, I know that's hard amongst your fantasy um, competitors, but um, maybe outside of your fantasy leagues, tell them about us. Uh, Brent, I hope you have a great week. Uh, everyone else out there, have a great week as well. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Good episode. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.